Welcome to Becoming Limitless. This is the podcast for entrepreneurs who want to optimize their brain and their body with biohacking. I'm going to teach you how to eliminate brain fog and upgrade your health so you can have more productivity, energy, and growth in your business. I'm your host, Tanessa Shears. Let's jump in. Welcome back to the Becoming Limitless podcast. How's everything going? I hope you've been having a great week so far. I am definitely keeping busy. There is lots on the agenda over here and I am loving it. There's actually a whole like completely revised version of the Becoming Limitless program that is going to be launching in mid-June. I am so excited about it. It is going to change how we do community as entrepreneurs when it comes to our health and how we optimize for performance. So definitely stay tuned for some information on that. It is coming, I promise. It might even be on Instagram already by the time this goes live. Um, But beyond that, you know, just doing the Panama prep things. We all needed to get our passport photos updated and our passports redone so that we could go on our trip. And I gotta tell you, do you wanna know what the hardest part about that was? Was finding someone that does baby passport photos. I didn't think this was going to be such a big thing. Like we went to the local department store that does it and they're like, oh yeah, we can't do babies. You need to go upstairs to the fancy camera store. So we went up to the fancy camera store and they're like, oh no, you need to go to the fancy photography studio. And I was like, what is going on? Why is this so difficult to take a photo of a baby? But luckily like our local staples, like the office Uh, stationery store, they did them. And it wasn't hard. And we got it in like the third try. My baby, Tenley's like, can you believe this? By the time you are listening to this, Tenley is going to be practically a year old. That was my baby that I had, oh, obviously a year ago. But my point is we literally had to run all around the city to find who would take our baby's photo for a passport. And everyone's like, it's so difficult, but it really wasn't. So anyways, I guess this is just a, an interesting red flag. If you are going to have a baby or you have a very small baby and you want to get them passport photos, photos, it may be more difficult than you expect. But anyways, that's what we're doing. We've also set our travel dates. So far, we believe they're going to be January 11th to March 7th. So it's eight whole weeks in Panama. We're pretty excited about that. We're in the process now of like, okay, If we fly out here, what cities do we want to stay in where and where do we want to stay our month stay? So we're just in it right now. We're spending all the time on the Airbnb website, on YouTube, talking about the different cities. And I think we have four or five cities picked out right now that we are going to be living in over the span of two months when we visit Panama and we're going to be slow living and working remotely. So you'll probably be hearing little snippets every week on kind of how we're doing on that journey, but passport photos, yet another thing. But today's episode is not about passport photos. It's actually about the nine key contributors to optimal readiness and performance and why they are essential to business owners. And I'm going to tell you not only what they are, but how to apply them. So if first of all, you're like, what the heck is optimal readiness? Readiness is that feeling where your brain shows up with you for work. Meaning whether actually, you know what, not just work, your whole life, whether you're with your family or you're doing something in your business, you want your brain to show up to the job. And what I mean is like it shows up with the energy you need, you feel clear, you have the focus, you aren't easily distracted, you're basically not swimming in brain fog, right? Your brain shows up, that is optimal readiness, having the energy and the focus to do the things that you need to do to execute at a high level, all right? That is readiness. What is performance? Well, performance is basically going to be our ability to do the things we want to do at that high level. 
So readiness and performance, I have identified there are nine key things that will influence how you show up to your business, right? Because we know as business owners, our success depends heavily on our ability to perform at our best, right? And to lead our teams. And we want them to do the same too. And even if you're not working with a team right now, and it is you are leading your family, I want to be showing up in a way that, you know, is best representative of the person I want to be, not the person I'm defaulting to because I'm exhausted all of the time, right? I want to be clear. I want to be effective. I want to be present. And in order to do that, my brain needs to be working. Although, you know what? fair to say it can be really challenging to maintain this optimal readiness and this like level of performance especially in today because everything is so fast there are distractions everywhere everything on our phone is designed to distract us there are flashing things honestly like even now I've probably got 30 tabs open right now for all the stuff that I've got going on like everything wants our attention right and everything is changing and there's emails coming in notifications and it's this dynamic Thing we have to go through. So that is kind of why I want to give you the goods. And so for this, when you hear these, this is not something where, like I've mentioned in the previous performance toolkit episodes, this is not something where you're going to take all nine of these and start applying them today and be like, how can I improve these? And what am I doing wrong? It's literally like the buffet. I'm giving you nine items on the buffet table. You come up, you take one, you go back to your seat and you eat it or you work on it, right? And then when you're done that, you come up for another idea. This is that whole idea of experimenting. It's one thing at a time, mastered, and then you go back for another. It's that layer and that is how you become exceptional at maintaining your habits long-term. It's by really understanding this layering approach. So if you're asking kind of like where I got the nine ideas from, it actually was inspired from the data given by my Aura Ring. So for some of these metrics, you would need an Aura Ring or some other type of wearable device in order to measure the changes in them. However, a lot of the actual actions that go in to it, you can do without an Aura Ring. But I, this is kind of how I'm basing it on what goes into readiness from there. So we're gonna go and deep dive on these nine key contributors and figure out like why are they important to you in your business and how to apply them so that you know you can have all the energy and all of the focus that you need. So whether you've been in business a long time or you're just starting out, let's get ready to jump in and talk about the nine key contributors. All right, if we're talking about optimal readiness, the first contributor we're gonna talk about is resting heart rate and specifically the pattern of your resting heart rate. Now this is something that most people don't even know about or consider, but I find it actually fascinating. So when you go to sleep at night, ideally what happens is your heart rate begins to drop as you descend into that first phase of deep sleep, right? Your body goes quiet, your heart rate lowers, your blood pressure lowers, everything kind of slips away, you get deeper and deeper into sleep and your heart rate falls. And ideally we want to hit the lowest heart rate point, like where our heart rate is the lowest all night, as soon as we can into the evening, because that is when your body truly starts recovering. And if you were to talk about like what that would look like on a graph, if you were to watch your heart rate through the night, you want it to gently slope down into a U shape and gently slope up, kind of like a banana actually. And that's how you want it to be. You want it to have this gradual decrease, the lowest point, you know, some point at the midpoint of the night and gradually increase 
increase naturally as you're waking up, as your cortisol starts to increase. This is what you want it to look like. And ideally, we want to have a low, stable, resting heart rate. Now, here is where we can get into trouble. If that heart rate, that lowest point that I told you about where everything after that is that good stuff, the rejuvenation, the restoration, if that is delayed, and let's say you don't get to that lowest heart rate until like three quarters of the way into the night, you are not going to feel as ready and refreshed when you wake up in the morning. So what we want to do is look at, okay, well, what are the things that are going to prolong my heart rate from lowering in the night, right? Or why would it be higher during the night? And there's a couple reasons, and we're going to go over them. All right. If you are sick, like (coughs) cold, flu, whatever you got going on, if you are sick, Your body is in a state of inflammation and you are recovering. So what you will notice if you've ever tracked your heart rate is that it will be higher while you are sick. And this is totally normal. Your body, a high resting heart rate or a higher heart rate at night is a sign that your body is working hard to recover and that you are not fully restored from the previous day's activity. If you are sick, you are not going to have a low resting heart rate. This doesn't mean anything's gone wrong. This is your body doing its job and protecting you. But naturally, think of when you're sick. You're not feeling very ready, right? That's how that correlates. We did an episode, probably was it two or three weeks ago, on how your cycle, your menstrual cycle, actually does affect your sleep. So What you will notice if you're graphing your resting heart rates, like the lowest values at night, you will actually have a higher than average resting heart rate during the last seven to 10 days of your cycle. And the reason for this is the body's working harder at this point. Your cortisol is naturally higher at this point. So that will likely lead to a decrease in readiness, right? Stress, if you go to bed, thinking about work, you had family drama, maybe something's going on in your life and you are stressed out, even if you are just overthinking and ruminating, but don't really feel stressed out or anxious, this will actually delay how fast your heart rate lowers in the night. And this will prevent you from getting that full restoration. And I got to tell you, so many of the clients I have that struggle with middle of the night wake-ups, eat those 3 a.m., 4 a.m. wake-ups, and especially if they can't get to sleep, usually I just ask them what they've done the night before, and they were on their phones until bed, they checked into work, they were trying to get a little more work done. They just really don't let their bodies relax down, right? Two other things, three other things that will keep your resting heart rate higher at night is exercise, food, and alcohol, specifically if you are exercising within two to three hours of bed, right? Think about it, get your heart rate up, get your temperature up. This is the opposite of what we need for restorative sleep. So ideally, we'd like to keep it during another part of the day. Now, if this is the only time of day that you can exercise, it is what it is. And we're not going to stress out about that because we're going to do other things to protect our sleep. However, if you have the opportunity, let's exercise at a different time of the day. And the same thing with food. If you're eating large meals in the hour or two before bed, it is definitely going to require your body to digest that food, right? And this is where you start seeing delayed drops in the heart rate. Alcohol raises your resting heart rate. There is very little that is so obvious on a resting heart rate graph as alcohol. It keeps your heart rate high, which basically means there is very little recovery and rejuvenation happening in your sleep. So it is very hard to wake up feeling ready. The last thing I'm going to mention on before we move on is environmental temperature. So if you are sleeping in a warmer than normal environment or just warm in general, this is going to affect your body's ability to feel completely restored. So in general, I do like to recommend bedroom temperatures between 65 and 68 degrees Fahrenheit. That's around 18 degrees Celsius. And I like to keep them at these temperatures. And I often find that 
if you, for example, in Vancouver, like AC, unless you're plugging it into a window, is not really a thing that's built into the houses here because it's not ever that hot. So when the summer comes around, we only really have our window portable AC device for our bedroom. So when those nights get really hot and the AC can't keep up, I can actually see an uptick in my resting heart rate in my aura rig, which is really neat. So you want to keep yourself nice and cool while you sleep. So resting heart rate, nine key contributors. This is one of them. All right. And I give you a whole bunch of ideas on things you can do to make sure it gets as low as possible during the night safely. The second key contributor is your body temperature. So we kind of just touched on the environmental temperature, like meaning how warm or cold your bedroom is, but the temperature your body runs at will also indicate how restored you feel the next day. Now, I mean, think of one we all know. If you have a fever because you are sick, you are going to get an increase in body temperature. And this is because your body is under stress. It is working hard to fight off the infection, right? The immune system is active. So when that body temperature goes up, it makes it hard to sleep because your core temperature actually needs to drop a couple degrees to help melatonin get ready and get pumped out and do its job. And if we don't actually get that drop in core temperature, we can struggle to sleep. So when you are sick, that's why we don't sleep very well, especially if we have a fever that usually comes with the body aches and all of that kind of stuff. We just can't actually get into that deep layer of sleep. And again, it's really interesting, also ties back into our menstrual cycle. So during that last seven to 10 days, our progesterone and estrogen levels are changing so rapidly that we actually have a reduced ability to control our body temperature. So if you've ever noticed, if you get a monthly cycle during the last seven to 10 days, if you are overheating at night out of nowhere, like you'll, you'll wake up sweating a couple times a night and you'll notice that during that time, sleep will be disrupted because of your body temperature, right? Another thing that can actually drive body temperature up is being excessively stressed out because your body doesn't actually relax. Um, exercise is a really obvious one in the two to three hours before bed and food, uh, just because your blood is needing to do other things. Your body's needing to either digest food or, you know, your body's recovering from having been heated up with exercise right before bed, right? So if we're looking at what can we do to control our body temperature, we want to make sure that environmentally we are in a cool environment as we just discussed. The other thing you're really going to want to consider is like, what am I wearing for PJs? So it's really interesting. I find that the the amount of pajamas that I wear is directly related to where I am in my cycle. So for example, during that last seven to 10 days where I tend to overheat a lot more at night, I'm always in like a tank top and shorts, whereas, you know, I might be in pants and a maybe a longer sleeve during the other part of my cycle. So I think it's really um, dialing into your body and noticing if you run hot, can you put a fan on? Can you get um, a chili pad or one of those eight sleep mattress covers? We have cooling sheet covers. All of these things that we really want to look into to help us keep a cool body temperature at night because that allows us to get into deep restorative sleep, which will help our optimal readiness tomorrow. Contributor number three is going to be our HRV balance. So I'm not going to go into too much on the details of HRV or heart rate variability on this podcast. I really think it needs a whole podcast episode in the future, but uh, essentially HRV is a value that is given by a lot of wearable devices that tells you if your body is in a state of fight or flight or rest and digest and how you are coping with the day-to-day -day stressors, mental stressors, emotional stressors, 
physical stressors, how your body is either adapting or not to the stress that you have in your life. Now, in general, you want to be able to be resilient. So if you don't have a way of monitoring your HRV, you want to just be checking in with yourself. It's like, how long does it take me to recover from my workouts? If I get really stressed out with something at work, is my sleep affected or am I able to be resilient and bring myself back into balance? So that's what we're constantly checking for here is like, what is my capability of balancing myself out. And the best analogy that I have is I'd like you to think of like an old school teeter-totter, like the ones that were on the playgrounds when we were kids and you have stress and fight or flight on one side and rest and ge- rest and digest and relax on the other side. The goal is not to be in rest and digest long-term. That's not the goal. Our goal is not to be like, I'm so relaxed. The goal is actually to be able to dip in and out on each side. So you're dipping a little into fight or flight and a little into rest or digest and be able to um, be resilient, bounce back and forth. But where a lot of us get stuck is we get stuck in fight or flight. Like we'll get triggered by, you know, an email that we'll get or something somebody said to us and we'll get stuck in fight or flight and don't have that capacity to pull ourselves out. So if you don't have HRV or a a device to measure this, what you can just do is you can check in with yourself. Like, am I recovering from my workouts? Am I able to go to sleep after a stressful day? Like, or do I take three, four, five days to recover? If you do have a device where you have an HRV readout, notice I didn't say what is your HRV, but like, what is the balance of it? So what this means is over the last week, how is my HRV? And what you want to see is that it fluctuates within a small range. So essentially, let's say your average HRV for the last week has been 60. But then your HRV over the last two months has been 70. So you're comparing your seven-day average to your two-month average. And what this is showing you is if you have a two-month average of 70, but the last week you've averaged a 60, there is something going on that is that you are not uh, coping with, adapting with. It could be a physical stressor, mental or emotional. And so when you begin to see a decline in your coping skills or your resilience or your HRV balance, it actually affects your readiness. And this affects your sleep. It affects your ability to have high performing like cognitive function. It affects your energy, so much of it. So we really want to make sure that our HRV balance is on point. And if you notice that you start to see a declining trend, You're wanting just to check in with yourself. What do I need to do to bring myself back into balance? Is it breathing? Is it some time out? Do I need to go for a walk? What is it, right? And again, we're not looking at a single value. We're looking at averages. So coping resilience, that's a key contributor number three. So we're going to go into number four right now. And number four is actually integrated with contributor number one, but contributor number four is what we call like our recovery index. So you remember how in the resting heart rate contributor, we talked about like that we want that nice banana shaped and that we want lower resting heart rates. And if you see a spike in the average sleeping resting heart rate, it might be something to pay attention to. Well, that contrasts with the recovery index. That basically is how long does it take your heart rate to drop and stabilize? We kind of touched on that in um, point number one, so I'm not going to do too much on this, but if it's taking you forever for your heart rate to drop and it's not happening to the last third, two thirds of your night, 
what we're really looking at is, is it stress, exercise, food, alcohol? And the one I really want to pull into this one specifically is looking at your wind down routine. So if you're like doing the evening hustle, you got groceries going, you made the dinner, you're hustling, running the kids around to their sports or whatever like that, or you're taking the dog for a walk, you're sitting on the TV and then you're like running into bed and you're just like, okay, wash my face, get into bed. Like there is no wind down process in place. This can often keep you in a mild state of fight or flight, or even, you know, just staring at the TV, the blue light is giving your brain information that it's the middle of the day. You're getting that dopamine from the TV, the adrenaline, if it was something that was triggering your, um, your, you to go into fight or flight, maybe it was something scary or something suspenseful, right? All of these things can prevent you from winding down properly, which means you have an elevated heart rate going into sleep, which then would cause you to take longer for your heart rate to drop and stabilize. So that is number four, recovery index, how long it's taking you to for your heart rate to drop and stabilize. And the faster it drops, the more ready you're gonna feel the next day. And I gave you a whole bunch of ideas on how you can influence that. Number five, sleep quality. Oh, you know I love to talk about a good sleep. Sleep is one of the biggest contributors to overall readiness and performance when you wake up in the morning. So we're actually gonna, the next three actually have to do with sleep, but they're different components of sleep. So let's talk about contributor number five first, which is actually what's going on while you are asleep. And we're talking about quality, specifically deep versus REM, R-E-M, rapid eye movement sleep, which is when you're dreaming. So we actually have minimums that we like to aim for. With deep sleep, which happens primarily in the beginning of the night, you get that low, stable heart rate, blood pressure drops. This is, you know, your this is when you really like it's hard to wake you up during deep sleep because you are in a very deep sleep. It is responsible for physical restoration. Like if you had a workout during the day, this is where you reap the benefits from it because it's often where growth hormone is released. This is responsible for rebuilding muscles and tissue and repair and all of that wonderful stuff. Our memories are consolidated here. Like deep sleep is a beautiful thing. And on top of that, something interesting happens. So around your spine, and I'm not talking about the bones, I'm talking about your spinal cord on the inside of your spine, you have something called cerebral spinal fluid. Now that fluid actually goes all the way around your spine, up and around your brain. It's like a fluid that is a cushion, okay? Now, during deep sleep, your brain actually the cells contract and shrink. And what this does is it allows the spinal fluid to actually go in and let's just call it a brain bath. It allows your brain to be physically, I'm gonna use air quotes, cleaned of all the stuff that is built up on it during the day. So when we think and, you know, there's these metabolic reactions happening in the brain and processing and decision-making, we get these things called beta amyloid proteins that actually build up on the surface of the brain. Now, in People that have Alzheimer's disease, they have been shown to have higher levels of these beta amyloid plaques built up on their brains. And this could actually be linked to a lack of deep sleep. So deep sleep is one of those things that when those proteins are cleared off, it allows you to really be physically, like your physical brain, your physical body to be refreshed and ready for the next day. And if you've ever woken up feeling like you've been hit by a truck or really like just physically exhausted, you might just have not had enough deep sleep. On average, we want to be looking for at minimum at least an hour spent in deep sleep every single night. Now, towards the end of the night, this is where REM sleep really starts to pick up and you do a lot more dreaming. Dreaming is a wonderful thing for your brain because it is one of the only times where your body does not produce adrenaline. So think of it like therapy for your brain. 
REM is all about your mental health. So it is the stage of sleep and that allows you to really control. And I guess not control is the right word, more like manage your emotional life. So if you find that you are someone that swings easily to instant gratification, there may be a chance you're not getting enough REM sleep. If you find that you're emotionally volatile, you're irritable, you stress out easily, you're anxious, this may have to do with a potential lack of dream or REM sleep. We want to make sure that we're getting at least nine minutes per night. Now, if you want, there's, I think if you go back to episodes, like honestly, I think it's like maybe one through five, there's a whole bunch of sleep episodes in there on deep and REM and things you can do for them. There's a bunch of stuff on my Instagram. Always feel free to come over, by the way, to my Instagram. It's at Tanessa Shears, T-A-N-E-S-S-A-S-H-E-A-R-S. And ask questions because I guarantee whatever you have a question on, I've either done an Instagram post about it or a podcast on it. And one of my favorite things is to be like, no way, I can totally help you with that. Here's a link to a podcast episode. So if you ever feel stuck, always come say hi. I love hearing from you guys. So key contributor number five to optimal readiness, this is both physical and mental, is are you getting enough sleep quality? Now we're moving into our second sleep contributor, which is going to be contributor number six, and it looks at what we call sleep balance. So when we're talking about sleep balance, it's very similar to when we talked about HRV or heart rate variability balance. It's not what was going on on the one single night, which is kind of like what we talked about in the last contributor, but instead, what's been going on with your sleep over the last two weeks? So looking at like, have you consistently been getting enough sleep? How many of those five and six hour nights are sprinkled in there and then contrasted with 10 hour nights? And this is sometimes something I will see with clients that are really feeling like they just don't, they don't feel as ready as they would like is they will, you know, get six and a half hours, six hours, six and a half hours, six and a half, six and a half. And then they'll get to the weekend and it's like nine hours, 10 hours, nine hours, 10 hours. So they're undersleeping in not only duration, but quality during the week and then overdoing it on the weekend. And it's just not a good recipe for sleep. So we're really looking at, when you're looking at sleep balance, like how how much quality sleep and consistent long enough sleeps have you been getting over the last couple of weeks? Are you consistently sleeping well? Or are you finding that you have, you'll get a good night and then you'll have a bad night, a bad night, a good night, and then you can't fall asleep, and then a good night, and then maybe you're up at three in the morning and you can't get back to sleep. Like that's what we're really starting to look at. So just as kind of in a retrospect right now, I am always reevaluating my sleep. So I'm in that really interesting period of time that's like maybe I'm like seven days out from the beginning of my cycle as I'm recording this right now. And four out of the last three nights of sleep, I have been awake at 4 a.m. And this is, I think, a little bit part hormonal. This is a little bit the fact that uh, I have a lot on my plate right now, but I'm really starting to look at this and being like, I see my sleep balance has been jeopardized because of these early mornings waking up. And I do attribute part of it to my cycle and there's that understanding and that awareness in there, but this is affecting my sleep balance, right? When you're just, your sleep is off, you're not sleeping as well. I'm having, I can't get back to sleep after that. It's gonna affect your readiness, right? And I think those are one of the things like, when it is something that is either out of your control or something that you are managing right now, what I start to look at is like, okay, my sleep balance over the last week has not been great, but you know what I'm really optimizing for? My temperature. You know what I'm optimizing for? My heart rate, making sure I'm winding down, making sure I'm hitting all those points to have quality REM and deep sleep. 
So just because one of these variables is like, ah, I'm not doing a very good job right now. I'm waking up a lot or like, oh, I'm waking up hot all the time or my resting heart rate is higher or I have to, I'm stressed out and go and I'm moving houses right now or whatever like that. What you really want to look at is how can I mitigate and control for that by looking at the rest of these variables. All right, so number two was sleep balance. How have I been sleeping over the last two weeks? And I've got a ton of podcast episodes on quality sleep, so you can just hit me up on Instagram and I'm happy to direct you to one that'll help with whatever you're going through. All right, we're on number seven, key contributor number seven, circadian rhythm optimization. Circadian rhythm is basically how your body functions in relation to a 24-hour clock, the day, um, and it has everything to do with this circadian rhythm, this rhythm that operates how our body works, affects everything from when hormones are released and when they're shut off, when the heart rate goes up, when it goes down, when blood pressure goes up, down, temperature, like literally when we're alert, when we're drowsy, there's so many things that our circadian rhythm governs. And so when we're looking like, how does this contribute to key, um, how does this contribute to optimal readiness? Well, what we're asking ourselves is how regular has my sleep rhythm been in the past two weeks? Basically what that means is, am I going to bed within a one hour window and waking up within a one hour window as often as possible? So Honestly, I think some people can get away with one night a week where they just do something wildly different and they're up two or three hours later and they sleep in. Some people can get away with that. Some people, not so much. It's something you have to experiment with. But if you're one of those people that has a bedtime that fluctuates two or three nights per week, I really want you to question like, is this something that is working for me? Do I want to feel better readiness? Do I want to feel more energy throughout the day? Because it really does throw off our body. It is amazing how many things tie into that circadian rhythm. And when we deliberately throw it off with our social schedule, which is called social jet lag, it can throw everything off from our hormones to our digestion, so many things. So we're really looking at how regular has your sleep rhythm been in the past two weeks? And if it needs a bit of a cleanup, go for it. So what that basically would look like is set a bedtime. Let's say it's 10 o'clock. This means you want to be sleeping between 9.30 and 10.30 the majority of days. Wake up time. You want to wake up at 6.30 in the morning? Great. 6 to 7 a.m. is that wake up window. Yes, even on weekends. I have had clients that have adapted a consistent wake up time, despite the fact that they were really nervous about being tired or not being able to catch up on sleep on the weekends. And they've basically messaged me saying, hey, I've never felt so good on a Monday ever. Like, what is going on? This is amazing. And it's because when your circadian rhythm is optimized, you're going to find that your energy is a lot more consistent and you don't feel like you need to sleep in so long on the weekends. It's a really cool thing. So anyways, looking at how consistent has that sleep rhythm been? Now, the last two actually tie in activity. We did a really deep dive two episodes ago on how to exercise for energy. So not weight loss, not strength building, not fun. Literally looking at if energy and focus is what you want to get out of your exercise. Here's the six variables you should focus on. So two of them are kind of tied in here, actually, that contribute to that optimal readiness. So contributor number, what are we on? Eight now is the previous day's activity. So what this does is it really looks at, well, how much time did you spend sitting versus moving? Did you balance activity and rest, 
right? Because we do want to have a good amount of downtime. And it's interesting how Aura Ring actually measures if you are having what it calls restorative recovery time is if you have warm hands and a slow heart rate. Isn't that interesting? So warm hands and a slow heart rate indicate that you are in a relaxed state, right? Because when you are in that rest and digest your blood is flowing to the surface and the extremities and it's not when you're stressed out, your blood actually comes in to the core. And so it's not in your fingers and your hands, right? It's in your core when you're stressed out and when you're in fight or flight. So this is how actually the aura ring measures if you're getting enough of that time. But if we're looking at the previous day's activity, if you have a very, very, very highly active day, like I'm talking about one of those days, like some of these days that I have where I will have gone on two walks and I'll have done a really hard workout in the morning and I'll average about 15 to 16,000 steps plus that workout. And I will find that on those nights, I will not recover. I will, that basically a lot of the night is going to be spent recovering from that day of extreme activity, right? So you can naturally expect your temperature might be a little higher. Your resting heart rate might be a little higher. That recovery index. These are all factors that we've just talked about. Uh, how long your heart rate takes to drop and stabilize. Like those things are all going to be effective. So if we have a very highly active day, our body is going to have to work really hard to recover from the physical activity instead of creating restorative, um, like function in the brain for the next day. But this is not a bad thing. This is not me saying don't do that. What this is me saying is maybe don't string four of those days together, right? We want to really think about like, how are we balancing everything? Are we spending a good amount of time moving during the day, getting up out of our chair and also some time being restored, right? So previous day activity can definitely affect how ready you feel the next day. So this kind of leads beautifully into our ninth and final key contributor, which is activity balance. And this is looking at how intense your training has been over the last two weeks. So if you are overtraining or if you are working out consistently at a high intensity, what may happen is your body does not get enough time to recover between the next workout. So sometimes what I'll do is I will review a client's exercise program and I see they're exercising six day a week and the seventh day is like, they'll tell me it's an off day, but they're really going for a jog. And the other days are like leg days and upper body days and their strength days. And what's happening is that between these workouts, there is no restorative time for the body to really grow from the training. And what we really start to look at is like, can we make sure that we have active recovery days in there? So after every couple of days of training, can we have a day that is just walking or just mobility or just stretching? And this is literally not to slow you down. This is to speed you up so that you can recover better and your subsequent workouts will be better. Because if we are intensely training day after day, you do not get to have that recovery time during the sleep to focus on anything else. You may find your readiness decreases. I've had two clients actually in the last about six weeks that I have removed um, in, intense cardio, like either a run or like a lot of jumping stuff. I've taken it out of their program or dropped the volume in half. And both of them have said to me how much more ready they feel for their workouts, how much stronger they feel, how much less fatigued they feel, right? So we want to make sure that you're allowing for rebuilding and replenishing. All right, we got through all nine of them. I am hoping that those are 
giving you great insight into what goes in to optimal readiness. And remember, readiness is that ability for your brain to do what you need it to do, your body and your energy to be adequate enough for you to be in high performance in your business and in your personal and family lives. So running through them really quick, nine key contributors, one to nine. Your resting heart rate, what it is during the night. Does it get low or not? Your body temperature, your HRV balance, or remember your coping skills or your resilience. Your recovery index, how fast that heart rate drops, right? Uh, the sleep quality you get, how your sleep has been over the last two weeks, like you're getting good sleep consistently. If your circadian rhythm is optimized, what you've done the previous day for activity, and of course, activity balance, making sure you're giving yourself time to rebuild and replenish. I hope that has been exceptionally insightful and that you can see one or two of those things that you can start replying so that you know that you have all the tools you need to feel ready. And this has been the third in a three-part series on the Performance Toolkit. If you've missed the other two, episode one was episode 89, and it was how to exercise for energy. The second in the series was episode 90, and it was how to fuel for focus. So we're not talking about anything other than what food does for your brain fog and your ability to stay focused. And then today, we're talking about readiness. So that's all I have for you today. I hope that you have an absolutely beautiful weekend. And don't forget, come say hi on Instagram and keep your eye out for the brand new Becoming Limitless program that is going to be dropping this June. It is going to be an all-in-one experience for entrepreneurs who want to double their energy and their focus. I'm going to be teaching my 12 Becoming Limitless protocols and not just what they are, but how to consistently apply them and be one of those people that is not only a successful CEO, but has the time and the space in their life to balance their health, their brain health, their physical health, they move, they eat well, their resilient and they sleep amazing. And this is all coming. You'll get emails about it if you're on my email list. You'll hear about it on the podcast, I promise, and you'll see it on Instagram. So I guarantee you won't miss it if you stay tuned in. But in the meantime, you guys have a beautiful week and I'll see you next time. Bye. Hey, if you're hearing me right now, you might be an entrepreneur who feels like this. Every single thing I had was going into my businesses and there was no room left for me. And that means I wasn't eating right. I was, my stress levels were just off the charts. And I was getting these headaches. And I just felt like my health was not where it could be, where it should be. Every day I woke up really tired. And actually all day long I was tired and I couldn't understand why. And this was really in the way of my productivity. I gained 20 pounds in one year. And that's mostly because of work stress. I've never seemed to have the control over my own health. This podcast will help you with all of that. I'm sharing everything I know and everything I'm learning about how to get healthy, optimize your focus, and eliminate brain fog for faster business growth. But if you want someone to take all of these strategies, create a simple plan, and help you bring it to life with weekly coaching, I'd love to work with you in my Becoming Limitless program. This is the high-touch, intensive program that I have created to coach entrepreneurs like you to get back on track with their health, get really good sleep, and start waking up feeling well-rested. The biggest impact was really around overall well-being and sleep. So I started tracking my sleep and it was very data-driven what we did. And I saw measurable progress and improvement week to week, month to month. 
Now I prioritize sleep. I have my whole family on a better sleep schedule. You'll get my expert eyes on what you eat and help you develop a simple plan that sticks. Well, she helped me really figure out what works for me nutrition-wise. It's not just like some cookie-cutter plan. It's let's figure out what works best for your body and just optimize everything so I can show up at my best for my family, for my business, and just feel good. And of course, have you showing up to your business with clear, focused thinking so you can scale your business faster. Both my companies have grown over the last two years. I'm waking up more energized and I'm able to be more productive in my business. You're going to learn how to optimize your brain and your body using a combination of wearable technology, accountability, science-based biohacks, and weekly personalized coaching. I'm not only going to share what to do, but I'm going to teach you how to be consistent and develop the self-discipline that keeps this going for the rest of your life. Coaching is where the magic really happens because without coaching, you'll end up right where you started because those blocks and those underlying patterns that got you here are still there. You have to really rewire the way you think and that's what Tanessa helps you do. And it's good to have somebody who's got your back, who will hold you accountable and who will help you work through this process together. I help you become a human being instead of just a human doing. You get to have your health and a successful business too. It doesn't have to be a choice. So she really taught me a lot about how to balance being an entrepreneur and a business owner and also not sacrifice my health. Yep, you can use the gold mine of information in these free episodes of the Becoming Limitless podcast to help you take control of your health and you will feel more vibrant. But if you want, you can outsource your health to me and put your brain power back on growing your business. If you're ready to commit to upgrading your health and start feeling more energized within the next couple of months, click the link in the show notes and book in a consultation call with me. My life today is not even recognizable with the life I had a year ago. And that's because of everything that Tanessa has put into the program. So if you're on the fence, get off the fence. Your future self will thank you for it. Highly suggest working with Tanessa. I would highly suggest doing a consultation call with her, doing her program, seeing what she's about and seeing if she's a good fit for you because she is definitely committed to her clients and she definitely knows what she's talking about. So go work with Tanessa. She's really amazing and she's going to help you get your energy back. Hit the link in the show notes and book in to talk with me about your health and I'll see you on our first call.